You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Tuesday, January 5th, 2020. Today's show is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com. Use that promo code Locked On for 20% off on your next purchase. On the show today, guys, Aram Layton of Locked On Prospects and Locked On Marlins joins me. He gives kind of the counter side, the, the maybe downside, if you will, to the Josh Bell trade. He's not as high on it as some other people are. And I think, I said this the other day, it's good to get that other perspective. You know, a lot of podcasts that cover a team can often be too positive. And I, and I think, um, you know, Aram and I talk about the different angles which we come you know, to this trade from. And I talk about, you know, the saying the Nationals uh, view, this is, you know, a classic Mike Rizzo deal. And he takes the view of, oh, I, you know, I love a certain prospect and uh, not a huge Josh Bell guy and didn't like the transaction. So, uh, you know, there's obviously multiple ways to come at this trade. And I think Aram gives us an awesome perspective and a bit of a negative perspective and a, a touch of skepticism, I think is always good for a fan base. So, uh, Aram kind of gives a counter, and this will be part one of a conversation we have, and then part two will be posted on Wednesday, and we get into a, a whole host of other topics there. But yeah, enjoy our conversation about Josh Bell and whether or not it was a good deal. Okay. All right, uh, on the show today, first show of the week, it is Aram Layden of Locked On Prospects and Locked On Marlins. And Aram, I, I, I preface this conversation by last week, I was kind of teasing having you on. And I was like, look, a lot of these shows are just Homer shows. You know, everybody's kind of, you know, everybody's, you know, all hyping up every single move their team, the teams make. And I said, we're not going to do that. We're going to get both sides. And so I think you texted me actually after the Josh Bell trade. You're like, hate it. Hate it. Don't like it at all. And I, and so obviously I'm here to get that perspective for you. And I, I just think it's, it's important that there are two sides of every of, of this. Uh, I think the side you're coming from is like the prospect side of it. And I yeah. think the side that I'm coming from is the situational side of it for the Nats as far as like the immediate future goes. No, that's a phenomenal way of putting it because of course I'm going to always say like, how could you give that prospect for this guy? Unless he's a stud, I'm going to, I'm going to be guilty of prospect hugging, I guess, even though I will say uh, when I, when I do the Marlins stuff, it's funny because then I'm you where I'm like, okay, the Marlins need to trade this guy, this guy, and this guy, or, you know, they're just prospects. You don't know what's going to happen with them. And then on the, on the flip side. So I have like two alter egos and um, yeah, I felt like an ass because I was texting you. It was just like, I hate this. I don't like it. <laughs> and you're like trying to talk me into it. And I'm like, no. Well, I don't, I, like I don't think I don't think I have to talk to you. I mean, here's the thing is like, you know, when I talk to people who are around the Nats and my a good buddy of mine, Connor Jones, comes on here a lot. You know, if you follow the Nats and he's been doing it for a, a much actually longer than I have, you know, he says, look, this is like a classic Mike Rizzo trade. Like, I, I'm really pleased with it. And I think that perspective is is one that says, you look at that farm system, and I know you know it very well. You know, just the number of arms they have is absurd. 100%. And I, I think for them, for me especially, I didn't want to see Cavalli, Cole Henry, or Jackson Rutledge go in any kind of trade. Um, Will Crow leaves, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Yeah, it's fine. I've limited action I've seen him in, and not fair to judge him off that. 
not somebody with with as much as the Nats have in their farm system, that's okay. Eddie Yeen is the one I think for you that was tough parting ways with. It seems like. Yeah, you know, I, I here's where I stand on it because you're you're dead on right. There's so many right-handed pitching prospects that are good in this national system. I mean, it's crazy when you go Rutledge, Cavalli, Henry, Andre, Lara, who I really like too. And I'm I'm assuming that the Nationals preferred to part with Yeen over Lara. And, that, and that's part of the reason why we saw that probably Denenberg as well, even though he struggled in his first little stint. I mean, that's a first round pick. That's a guy you're still hoping will turn into uh, you know, front end of the rotation arm. So you figure it, 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 he was kind of that in between of the top end guys and then the second tier guys. And I guess that was the person that they were able to use to get what they want without really hurting themselves. It was just, I think for me, I got a chance to see a little bit of him in instructs. I got a chance to talk to some of the players on the Marlins that had faced him. Um, And they said that guy was as tough as anybody in the entire instructional league or, and really just looked polished and looked like he was taking that next stride that he needed to make. He's got effortless velo. He's got a lot of really good tools, but at the end of the day, you know, he's a prospect that has barely played full season ball and you never know what can happen. Uh, I just really like his stuff. I, I think he's got plus potential for multiple pitches, but when you look at the big league perspective of it, right? The nationals last year for the nationals almost doesn't count, right? Like it was just a weird season. It was shortened. They're banged up. I don't really think anybody's too hung up on it. You want a world series a year prior, but there's some pressure now to get back to right. at least write that that playoff team. So I get it. I get it. And I think, like you said, Will Crow, to me, everything I've watched on him in terms of his stuff, you know, I think he's better, obviously, than he showed. Uh, but he's got very, very average stuff. And yes. it seemed like at the major league level, he, he had no confidence in it, where it was like he knew that he's not going to get a ton of swings and misses. And a guy that's typically really good with his command – was not good with his command because he was trying to be too careful. I think Crow will be a little bit better than that, but at the end of the day, he's a swing man, I think, at best. And if you can cash in and get a Josh Bell, I, I think that's fine. I think Yeen is where it hurts. And I think part of it, too, is the fact that I just do not love Josh Bell. But as you pointed out, you know, first base, it's a, it's a huge upgrade because even if he's closer to what he was last year, you're still better off than you were with Eric Oh, Payne. All right, more coming up from my conversation with Aram Layton. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Are you all ready for the college ball playoff? Uh, The final is coming up next Monday night. Are you guys ready for the NFL playoffs? Also, college basketball and college uh, and the NBA, rather, are in full swing. There's only one place that we trust, one place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for your 50% welcome sign-up bonus. Uh, they've got NFL games of the week. They've got those, uh, those MLB futures as well, NBA, college hoops. They've got you all, even some EuroLeague too, if you're into EuroLeague like I am. Uh, they've got all of that stuff. They've got you all covered there. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, to receive a 50% welcome sign-up bonus, uh, a deposit bonus, rather, with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar out there right now. They've got 18 flavors, six new flavors, including 
Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They've got those 12 original flavors, all of them chocolate, six with nut, six without nut, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. I just got very hungry uh, going through that entire list. Free cooler with your purchase, guys. A chance to win a free cooler while supplies last. Once again, though, the most important thing is that promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, locked on at builtbar.com for 20% off. Once again, promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Last thing before we get going again is locked on bets. Check out locked on bets, part of the locked on podcast network, wherever you all get your podcasts. All right, back to my conversation with Arab Layden about Josh Bell. Oh, you, if he is what he is last year, he's still a lot better than Eric Thames. Uh, it, may, it might be, I mean, relatively, but, but I think the idea is that he won't be on the, on the prospect front really quickly with Will Crow. I think you're totally right from what we watched last year. He, I mean, I think the right word I would use is he was nibbling a whole lot of nibbling around the strikes. And I think you, I think you hit the nail right on the head with the idea that, yeah, he wasn't totally confident. And look for me, I, I've you know never been in a spot like that. I don't know what it's like. I don't know how, what it's like to, to how, how to generate that confidence uh, when you're a guy that's got that kind of stuff and you're thrown in that kind of spot. And, you know, it's, it's not like, he, like you said, he's got plus stuff and he was just, you know, born to run basically ready to throw him out there and, and get going. Yeen, he could be, you know, he could be um, Patrick Corbin or Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg. And of course that will hurt if he is like that. But once again, you think of the situation the Nationals are in and to give up a guy like that who look they, and, and I think I forget Laura, it might be a year younger or a year older. Those guys are basically around the same age, I believe. Yeah. Laura's even younger. Yeah. Laura's, yeah. Laura's a little bit younger than he is. So for them, you know, I think it's kind of splitting hairs saying which, which, you know, we can part with one of the young guns, which one are we going to part with? And they ended up saying Yeen. And I think they don't know where the franchise is going to be when Yeen is ready to come of age and come up to the major leagues. They know that right now with the roster they have, they've got two of the 10 best players. You could argue maybe in the league. I could just I mean, definitely in the national league. Right. I mean, you could argue they've got the best hitter in baseball on their team right now. And they've got one of the best shortstops in baseball and Trey Turner. And one of the, I mean, you could argue he's the best leadoff man in baseball as well too. So they've got those two guys. And then they're in a situation where they desperately, desperately, desperately have to build. And Josh Bell is not only a uh, fits a need at first base uh, has shown ability to, to play at a high level um, is cheap and under control for more than one season. So he fits all the criteria because not only that, you know, um, they're also bringing in a guy like Josh Bell that, that is going to be able to, you know, he's a, a nice bat. And also they can go and afford somebody else. This is always a plan. In the off season was to find, to put this together, not spend a lot of money on a big fish. And I think they've positioned themselves very well to be patient and go get a bat or two to help them secure this lineup because they still need an outfielder and they might still be in the market for a catcher. Who knows? Absolutely. And I think that's a good point too, right? Is if you can fill that first base need and not have to break the bank and then use that money that you save and go get a stud outfielder, then it makes sense. I The irony in it too, because when I like to analyze, you know, swings, Juan Soto is one of the first guys that you're going to look at in terms of just perfect swing. Uh, it does everything right. Just no bad movement. Um, Josh Bell 
he he's a really good athlete, so he's able to make it work. And there's exceptions to every rule. Yeah. But Josh Bell is almost the polar opposite. Like he is the antithesis of Juan Soto when it comes to just the way they swing the bat and all of the extra movement that Josh Bell has. And that's where I get a little bit alarmed with him is he was timing things up well for one half of a season and he's so strong and he has such good bat speed that he's going to be able to get away with some extra movement that maybe some other hitters can't, but he moves so much and just has so much going on with that swing that it does make me a little bit nervous. Can he make some adjustments and improve it? Sure. But where are those adjustments? He struggled through the second half of 2019, then struggled this past year and came out with the same swing, same approach. So maybe the nationals, you know, change of scenery. If he can make some adjustments, then it, it would be huge because we know how talented he is in terms of just his physical ability. But when anybody's missing the amount of balls that he's missing right down the middle, I think he had a, a almost a 40% whiff rate on pitches down the middle. You know, that that's going to be a little bit more concerning and that points towards too much movement and just a lot going on in that swing. Also the ground ball rate going pretty high to 56%. Can you get the ball in the air again? Little things like that. But I mean, you would know better than I do what kind of situation the nationals have like hitting coach wise and, and development wise, because even though he's not a prospect, I mean, there's some really damn good hitters with the nationals that I think, even if you could learn from some of those guys, then who knows what Josh Bell can unlock. Well, I think also too, I think, you know, as somebody who is both in college sports and in baseball, I think there is this idea that baseball people are really resistant to narrative stuff because it's not something they can, it's not stuff they can tangibly like quantify. And I, I, and my, the biggest example of this, in my opinion, you and I have talked about this at length is relief pitching. Like there's a lot, and, and I know guys do make mechanical changes a lot in relief pitching, but you and I also know that how often does a guy switch spots, uh, switch places, and, and you know it, he becomes uh, a really solid, you know, a, a guy who's holding down an eighth inning. You know, Tanner Rainey, you know, all of a sudden just comes out of nowhere. Kyle Finnegan comes out of nowhere, and these guys are productive members, uh, you know, of a uh, of a of a bullpen. And the same can be true for hitters. I, I think we've also seen a lot of scenarios where guys, you know, like Ryan Zimmerman was dead. Ryan Zimmerman was like a corpse out there, mm -hmm. you know, a, a few years ago. And then he kind of, you know, finds, uh, finds a second wind. And I think that happens. I think a lot of times a, a change of scenery and for Josh Bell going to a place that is a winning culture with good coaching. I, I think that's something that matters. And I know that baseball people don't like stuff like that. Uh, I'm not accusing you of this, but I think there's this idea in general in baseball. It's like, we're a, not a narrative driven sport. We are a, you know, we are a numbers driven sport. Fine. Uh, but, yeah, but, absolutely. but there's something, there is something to the change of scenery. No, a hundred percent. And, and I do, I do try to catch myself in that at times. Cause especially I'm not accusing the, you, not, no, accusing no, you, but no, I know, I know, but I try to hold myself accountable with that too. Cause I can see myself gravitating towards the numbers, you know, like right now I have baseball savant open on my computer before right. we were doing this call. And it's just like, I'm always going to be looking at the analytics and stuff, but the game has a heartbeat too. Right. And, and that kind of, you can find so many situations where that's true, like pulling Blake Snell and putting in a guy that was struggling the entire <laughs> postseason, you know, stuff like that. But, but the point is like, when I have had the chance now with this show and uh, through just now doing a little bit more prospect coverage where I feel more, I guess, involved where I'm talking mm -hmm. to prospects more one-on-one -on -one and seeing how they tick. I think that kind of, open my eyes to the narrative side of things a little bit more too, where it's like, all they have to do is cross paths with one coach, one teammate, one guy that helps them unlock something. 
and it's a totally different ball game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, where the development, that's where who you're around, your environment. I mean, Pittsburgh is probably one of the worst places to be in baseball right now. <laughs> and I mean, in terms yeah. of front office management, in terms of his, you know, just the situation, you kind of go stale. We saw that with Verlander. Look what Verlander did after he left Detroit and goes to Houston. He, d- he didn't do anything different. You know, maybe he made some small mechanical adjustments because the Astros were really good at unlocking stuff in their pitchers. But, you know, I, I really agree with that whole narrative type of thing, especially with prospects because it only takes one little thing here or there to have that epiphany. And I'll tell you this, if Josh Bell is able to have some sort of epiphany and figure out what was working for him in 2019, then this is the the fleece of all fleeces because you just got a 30 home run, 900 OPS guy. But I think he, he is just so polarizing where he could be that guy. Or when I just look at his swing and just look at the way he, he, he does things, he could also be terrible. And right. I, I think oh, it's it could go it. very, it could go very wrong. I, I just think this is a, uh, the term that we've been throwing around on the show a lot has been calculated risk. And I think calculated risk, the, the calculated part is the cost, the years, the spot he fills and his numbers. That's the calculation. The risk is obviously he sucks and you're giving up two prospects. Yeah. And there's, there's no, there's, there's no farm system, right? Like there's no guys in the system that are close. Drew Mendoza's right. far, far, far away. There's nobody. Oh, and the problem is, you know, and, and to your point, Howie Kendrick said he was going to come back, then retires. Ryan Zimmerman, I, it's my belief Ryan Zimmerman is waiting to see how things play out because he obviously sat the year due to family issues, family and health reasons, health concerns. So I, I think, you know, for him, I feel bad for him because it's difficult with everything going on right now to make a, a clear determination whether he can play or not. I, I think he wants to. I just don't think he knows if, if, if he can. So you're in a spot where you got to make a move and you got to figure something out. And I think considering what was out there, like I saw that they kicked the tires on Carlos Santana. I'm very glad they made this move as opposed to going signing Carlos oh, yeah. Santana. Especially with how much money he got. Right. And, and th- that was a non-starter for them. And I'm glad. I think this is this is why Mike Rizzo has built good teams. Moves like, I'm not saying this one does, but a move like this typically pays off. And I think winning culture typically pays off too. And that's why they're, even though it was a throwaway season, like you said, and I think a lot of fans feel like that, there was still a cleansing of the coaching staff, right? There was, there was a, you know, there was a removal of a lot of those guys uh, that, that, you know, that basically the entire staff left. And, and, you know, they wanted to make some changes because they said, look, we, we are a winning team. Uh, this is, this is not, you know, this 2020 season was not what we were supposed to look like. So I think, and also too, I, I think Josh Bell, like your point about Pittsburgh being a bad situation, being in DC, I think he's already talked about some too. Like he wants to be a part of the community. He wants to be a part of a winning culture because he hasn't been a part of that before. And I think that matters also. And he's got some lineup protection. You know, yes. that's the thing too, is he's going to see a lot more fastballs because guess what? I would rather groove three down the middle and that's nothing against Josh Bell than have to pitch to Juan Soto, right. who is actually going to be one of the best of all time. And I, without a doubt in my mind. And, you know, that's that's what the thing too. Whereas in Pittsburgh, you know, you, you, who else is there? Colin Moran? Like, I just don't care. I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw junk to Josh Bell because he's the only guy that can really, really beat me. The last thing I'll say on it because the Zimmerman thing is a good point is I think part of the problem with Josh Bell is that, you know, he's worrying about two swings right now. 
And both of them have a lot of issues. The left-handed swing is better for him. He has been really bad from the right side. Mm-hmm. If Zimmerman plays, you know, we know what he does to left-handed pitching. Even if he's slowing down a little bit, he, he can mash some left-handed pitching. You could have a nice little platoon situation there and get creative with lineups, and it gives the Nationals a lot of versatility. If you can keep Josh Bell to facing just right-handed pitchers, then uh, I think Bell will, will be a lot more productive, even if he doesn't figure anything out, because he was better from the left side by a good margin the last two years. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I, I kind of like that idea. Of and, and I don't think they're done at solving that first base, but I think they've got, you know, uh, I think they could move potentially jo- move Josh Harrison over there just because he's a utility guy and they need to play him as they can. But I think they're not done there. I want to thank RM Layton for joining us on the show today. Make sure you check him out at Locked On Prospects, Locked On Marlins as well. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until tomorrow, stay safe.